Hello, we've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we'll be discussing Book 2, Episode 7, The Chase. Today on my panel, I have Lindsay. Hi. Charles. Hello. And a very special guest, let's all welcome Alexis. Yay, welcome. Yay. You get applause. <laughs> That's more than some of our other guests got. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, so some of our other guests didn't deserve applause. Oh. <laughs> oh. I do so love. <laughs> so, as we do with all guests, let's start with you, Alexis. What is your experience with Avatar: The Last Airbender? So, my experience with Avatar is. It was one of those shows that I re- I was sort of realizing that it was despite being a kid show, it could it, it could be a very adult show. So I th- I think I, it was one of those shows that I sort of enjoyed on an almost guilty pleasure level, but that all my friends liked it too. So it wasn't so much a guilty pleasure, um, but I felt like it definitely spoke to me. Um, and that it was very interesting storytelling that you could do for an American cartoon. Um, Because before this, I had mainly also watched a lot of anime. Um, So I think it was my reintroduction to uh, American cartoons and my love of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So welcome to the show. Now we will get to the chase. So let's start off with our initial thoughts. Lindsay, why don't you kick things off, your initial thoughts for this episode? I'm not going to lie. I had forgotten what this episode actually was. Like, I had forgotten all the aspects of the episode until I rewatched it. And I was like, wait, this is that episode. So, like, I had always, especially the fight scene that's in it later on between the whole gang and Azula and Zuko, that had always been one of my favorite just scenes, watching the dynamics of the different fire bending versus the air bending versus the water bending versus Sokka with his like boomerang. And so that has actually always been like one of my favorite scenes in Avatar. So when I rewatched the episode and I saw it, I was like, oh my God, awesome. So um, I, I feel though like the, the episode overall, like it's a good episode. It's not one of like, the amazing strong episodes that we've been like ranting about for like, the past like two or three of them that we've watched, but it definitely it's an Avatar episode. Like it's a good episode, solid, good story, character development, awesome action scenes. So I like it. It's not one of my favorites, but it's it's still a good episode. All right, Charles. Um, uh, it, it's weird. It's weird, dude. <laughs> like. A lot of it is just... It went in a lot of different directions. Um, there was... There were action scenes at the end, which were great. Uh, there's, like, the... More of... Toph and, like, how... Because of her past and her upbringing, like, she interprets things... Differently from say how normal people would um i mean 
like all of the camping stuff is about that, and obviously we've got uh, Zuko's return, or Zuko finding the gang again, and Iroh's tea. But it's just weird. Like I like the episode. There's like lots of good individual moments in it. It's just like it's felt to me like some things maybe could have been flushed out more. Like they could have went all action or all or more like uh, character development. No, mm-hmm. like e- each part felt a little bit less than I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Alexis? So, I agree with you, Lindsay. It, it was a very forgettable episode. I also couldn't remember it until I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually rewatched it a couple times. And I think it, it, it's definitely a fun episode. There's a lot of uh, funny things that happened. And, but I don't think until the late... I rewatched it a couple times. I, the latest time I rewatched it... I didn't appreciate some of the subtlety um, that there, that there were pieces of this episode. Um, there, there, it's one of those things where I think it's a good basic episode to set up a lot of to set up a lot of things and to sort of introduce introduce um, Toph to the, as a member of the group and everything. So maybe not best episode um, of Avatar, but maybe a necessary one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, this episode is kind of bizarre for me. Um, I agree with Charles. I think that the that there are some parts that are relatively weak. I think the first, honestly, the first two acts of this episode, um, they definitely feel pretty pretty underwhelming um i understand what they're doing they do some important storytelling and, and they set up some important stuff for the future um and they make sense narratively in terms of you know toff's introduction to to the gang but i i think that in a little bit they get a, they do kind of be, feel a little bit tired a little bit played out and it kind of at times the dialogue drags just a, just a tad um and i do think katara might go a little little too far at times um throughout it that said, I, I think the third act of this episode is is, is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Um, I, I the fight, as Lindsay said, it, it's a really intricate fight. It's a really cool fight. It's very distinct, and that and you know you add in you know one of my favorite um, Iro moments with um, you know Iro's conversation with um, with Toph, and I think it really like that 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 last act is is really outstanding. Um, so I think this is kind of a bizarre episode. It's also a very different episode tonally from the rest. Um, I mean, especially coming off of the last couple, you know, we've had, you know, we have Blind Bandit, which is a pure, you know, character introduction episode. It's an episode we're going to bring Toph's character into fruition, and that's what the episode's going to be. And then we had last week, which was the, or technically we did it two weeks ago, but was the, you know, super character-focused um individual episode for for Zuko that was very, you know, was extremely centered and extremely focused. This episode is definitely a lot less focused, even though it's, you know, on a sort of cursory about the the relationships between Toph, uh, Aang, Katara, and Sokka. It does does kind of meander a little bit more, and I think that 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 hurts it. Um, But it's still, you know, it's still an Avatar episode. It's still pretty, you know, pretty damn great. Um, Alright, so starting off we, we get this episode, and I think a very, like, a really important detail 
uh, in this, and I, I've talked a lot. Uh, I think the first time I brought it up was in um, Fortune Teller about the the subtlety of some of the storytelling in this piece, and obviously the shedding of Appa is is a major plot point in this episode. It's it's meant to be the thing that that gives the trail that they can follow and uh, things like that. But it's also like a really important time marker. We talk a lot about how time is kind of weird on this show. We're not exactly sure mm-hmm. when things happen. And to, to have a very specific thing that's built into the plot of, oh, spring is starting. So we know, okay, it's the start of spring. Aang has until, you know, summer's end to end this war. So we have a pretty reasonable idea of where we are in terms of the time frame. At the start of spring, so we have spring and we have summer. He's got two seasons essentially left to save the world. And that's, you know, it, it's, it's just a nice little bit of reminder after, you know, in reality, ever since the sol- the winter solstice, um, in all the way back in, in book one, like we really have not had a time um, like statement. And, and even though this actually is like exactly in the same point uh, episode wise, being in episode eight, as I said, episode seven for some reason, even though I messed it up twice, it's episode eight. Um, you know, we're, we are in the same time, so we can kind of figure episode, these are help, happening about, you know, a, a season per month, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just nice to be able to sort of very clearly state okay summer is starting and we're not going to spend a lot of time on the fact that summer's starting it's all about opposite but it, you know it's a, it's a nice detail i i guess i go ahead sort of, someone was about to say something huh? go ahead alexis oh uh no i just i think i agree it's interesting that it, it's nice to have a time marker um especially that because this is that in another world you don't have the normal time markers you, necess- you necessarily would have if it was set in our world. Um, it's also they do some very cute, funny initial stuff with it. So um, it's it, it's I sort I think it's mm-hmm. sort of I agree with you. It, it brings the um, it, it it brings the viewer back in, and it sort of give it it sort of gives them a sense of. Um, linearity i guess because it's very easy to get lost um in shows like this yeah mm-hmm. agreed so the episode begins with you know really beginning to set up this this natural conflict between Toph and katara and while i don't particularly love it in this episode i think it's actually better in the runaway um you know about a full book from now but i do think that there is something interesting that of how natural it is that katara being the person who you know grew up with you know losing her mother very young and losing her father off you know leaving the village that she obviously takes on this this motherly role and we've seen it a lot throughout throughout the book and then immediately we run into Toph who is the first character on this show who both of her parents are alive and mm-hmm. she knows them and has lived with them and like in many ways she has the most normal relationship normal being weird but like of all the characters we have on this show that are main characters you know Zuko's mother is gone you know his father burned him and even though we talked a lot in Blind Men about how not particularly great her parents are they are still alive and and, and have been around Toph so it's nice to like it, it feels very natural for Toph to immediately kind of push back and say well I left home I left home in some way specifically to get away from my parents to get away from the the responsibilities and and expectations that are put on me as this sort of young blind girl and Katara instead is sort of saying well I'm kind of the natural parent the natural you know leader-ish of the group and you get to see an immediate you know pushback there 
we'll also talk about it later in the episode, but um, there's because of their upbringing, there's obviously a pretty significant difference in interpretation in the same statement from that uh, Katara makes. Um, like Toph sees it, or is implied to see it very differently from the way. Uh, Katara means it, or the way we think Katara means it, but we'll talk about that uh, when Iroh shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do really like about this episode is I like the touch of the bags under their eyes and like how much they kind of grow, and we can like see the the visual of how tired they are. Um, I actually think they pull off visually how tired they are a little bit better than through dialogue. You know, with you know, obviously they, you know, you make it so that tensions become begin to run higher and higher, and, and people are getting angrier and angrier. But I actually, I actually think that like the the, the visual of it captures it even better. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I think my favorite example of that is in the fight scene that we'll talk about later on. There's uh, Zuko, Azula, and Aang facing off, and clearly Azula and and Zuko are clearly focused and everything. And Aang just has this tired look of I'm in this fight. Why am I in this fight? Yeah. Um, speaking of Zuko, I, I actually am... The one thing I'm really glad about is that they had Zuko sort of, like, the moment of him seeing the trail. Um, yeah. Because, like, I kind of, like... I got to that moment when Zuko pops up at the end, and I thought to myself, like, that got really close to the whole, like, television. Oh, random character just pops up out of nowhere, but... Like, we had seen him. We knew Zuko was following this trail. We know Zuko is also after the Avatar, so it makes sense that he'd be following this trail. And I just think that, like, just a nice little nice little touch there, guys. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't go too, like, random with that one, and I think that's, that's good. So how do you – I want to ask you guys, like, how do you guys feel about the truck that they're kind of driving I'm a little confused by it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Because it was a tad striking to me, and like I understand that this is the Fire Nation, and they've kind of like they have those tank things that were moving. We saw in in uh, Northern Air Temple, and you know, in in a couple of weeks, we're going to see the drill. So it's not like this is that out of the realm of their technology, but I, I f- it's a little bit striking I to feel me. Like especially just the pure speed of this is what really just gets. Me. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like. Yeah, it does. It's able to yeah. keep up with the flying bison and go up giant mountains. Like that that to me was too a bit too much, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean the only way I can square it is the fact that it's it it has to like very clearly be powered by fire firebending. Yeah. And that's another thing. I wanna know like who the hell else like is in that truck. Like I wanna know more about these trucks now. Like if they're that fast, like who else is with the three girls? And what, like, because it's also carrying, like, put, like, pulling two things with it too. I'm like, what, what? I don't know. That have giant lizards in. Well, them. yeah, I know the lizards, but then, like, what else? Well, I agree. With yeah, you. no, I mean, there's got to be a crew. Is it like an RV party? <laughs> if Azula is there, it is not Azula a party. is going on a goddamn RV slumber party with her friends. Let's be honest here. <laughs> that sounds like a terrifying slumber party. Well, it's a, well just because it has Azula, yeah, but it t- let's be honest here. It's totally an RV slumber party. I mean, probably. Would anyone want to go to Definitely. slumber party with Azula, though? No. No. But, 
But it's, all, it's also a little weird because Ty Lee, though, Ty yes, hundred percent, a fun time. No, May would be a really bad slumber party no, guest, but Ty fine. Lee is the one who's fine. doing everyone's makeup. Ty May is many things. Fun. Not one of them. I'm well, not with that attitude. Well, she, she gets. <laughs> I mean, she gets. You better. mean that gloomy girl? <laughs> she gets better. Come on. And she's not. You can yeah. look past her gloominess. She's actually sweet and kind in many ways. Yes, but she's still referred to by her boyfriend as, or by Sokka. We're talking to her boyfriend as that gloomy girl, and so and Zuko just goes, yeah. I love that line. Calling the kettle black. Zuko is brooding. He is not gloomy. <laughs> well, okay. That's actually fair, because Zuko... <laughs> Zuko is just angst, angst, honor, angst. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm all, I was also really confused because I don't know if you guys paid attention to this, but at the beginning of the, um, when they're sort of doing the recap at the beginning of the show, they explicitly state that Azula wants a, a small team to be nimble, and then it shows Ty, Lee, and Mei, and it's like, wait a second, you have extra people. Are they gonna get in your way? Wait, cause who- cause I agree, who- someone else must be driving that- The truck, well, right? remember that when she was originally talking, she was saying that the whole royal procession, uh, would be too much. And, like, when they go to Omashu, she's, like, in the palanquin and has, like, the whole royal guard with her. So, this is- this is probably a smaller team than that. So why does a smaller team go and help them? Yeah, right? What do you- um, because none of, I, cause it's Azula and she's like, you'll just be, get in my way. Just Stay watch here, the RV. the truck. <laughs> <laughs> just watch the RV, yes. <laughs> Someone's got to go collect them some food. Well, they, I mean, they, from a pragmatic standpoint, if they <laughs> are actually firebending to, uh, propulse this vehicle, then they're probably pretty done by the time Azula. Oh, because Azula gives a shit about whether or not they're done. Yeah, as a tactician, why would you that's why true. would that's you send fair. an that's obvious okay. point out, right? Like yeah, that's true. That's fair. That's a fair point. Well, I guess it brings up the question because Toph at one point said, "Yeah, we could take them." Um, like, could they have actually taken them in the truck? Uh, I don't think the truck is. I think the truck is Sokka. I think it's like you know three plus three plus Sokka. It's like. <laughs> Three in Sokka versus three in Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I never got about that whole sequence of events is why did it take them so long to fly over water? What do you mean? Over the river? It's not, yeah, it's, well, any water. The thing is not water traversable. Um, the, one, the one thing I'll say is you, if you take a look at where they ended up, they kind of ended up in like a pretty barren, dry town. But and it like, is the Earth Kingdom. Okay, I grant that. Like at the end of the episode, but first, that's after Aang splits off, and God knows which way Aang uh, Alpha is mean, going before that. And like, you have a point. Yeah. Uh, I you will. Do have a point. I will say about the truck, though, like. The first time you see tanks, they're using grappling hooks to repel themselves up sheer cliffs. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they're true. certainly not it's... going this fast even before the grappling hook. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's like, it's weird that they have something this fast, but it's not like, it's something that you could say, okay, maybe this is just something reserved for Fire Nation nobility or for special chase crews or whatever. Who knows? It's a prototype? Yeah. I, I kind of bring it up mostly because some people I know chap at uh, at, Cor- at Legend of Korra because of the new technologies and I kind of be like, you know, there was not like there was none in, in TLA. Um, well, I think... So I kind of just... I think this is sort of like the precursor. It's like where... It's not like there's suddenly yeah. a bunch of new technology. This is a precursor. They, yeah. There, there was the Sato Mobile came after this. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was was spurred by Fire Nation technology, but there is actually some linearity uh, throughout mm-hmm. between the two shows. Mm-hmm. Well, then once the war ends, you can also kind of think, well, maybe you know, the Fire Nation has probably become the most technologically advanced during the war, and then after the war, you know, technology can begin to spread. economics of war um so i do have to just give a quick shout out in terms of like really entertaining lines i I, the the exchange uh when when Sokka describes zuko to to toff with he's just some angry guy with a ponytail who's chased us all over the world Uh and then katara starts commenting on the ponytail the, the, the warrior's wolf tale and Katara's, one that may be one of Katara's funniest lines of it lets the other warriors know you're fun and perky I love that line because <laughs> it's just like like you can tell Katara is so tired and so done right there and she's, she's like like she just she just referred to her brother as fun and perky it's a man bud let's correct everyone it's a man bud it's a warrior's <laughs> wolf tale a warrior's wolf bun <laughs> yes. <Hell>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's missing the bun shape, but like it, it'll be very quick fix. Mm. If he all he needs is the mustache, and then he's ready for some kombucha. No, he needs like kombucha's a lumberjack delicious. beard. Don't knock kombucha. What? Kombucha's delicious. Don't knock kombucha. <laughs> um, stop being a hipster. <laughs> I'm not the best kind of hipster. It's okay. Can't stop, won't stop. Um. um. And so one thing about because we have we have also in addition to the whole team being tired, we have Appa being tired, and I, I actually also like that a lot because it gives a lot of humanization to um, to Appa and giving it more because we kind of like I do think that you kind of take for granted a little bit Appa throughout the series. It's like oh yeah, Appa's just like the transportation, and they you know he can just kind of fly and forever, and it's all good. And it's kind of this is kind of not the first because we've had a, we've had a little bit of it throughout the you know time, but this is I think the real like first time we get to see Appa's limitations mm-hmm. and like Appa as a living thing, um, and obviously that's going to become into major play later on, a little bit to the detriment of this show because I don't particularly like that episode, but you know, still it is it is a thing. So it is it just it is good to see that they're not like, oh everyone's really tired, but Appa can just fly forever. It's it, it, I guess to go on that it's also sort of nice. Because you you see Appa fighting a, a little a little bit towards the end of the episode, and there's some interaction outside of flying as well. Mm-hmm. When they're in the air, and they're talking, because Toph is saying how much she thought they could take them, and Katara is referring to Tylee, and 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 there's a line where she says um, she did something that took my bending away, and 
just the way the line is delivered, there's a lot of there's actually like a lot of fear in there. And I think that it captures a lot about this world and how the benders like really consider their bending like such an important part of their identity and how terrifying the idea of having your your bending blocked and taking taken away Mm -hmm. um and while book one of Korra is a lot of missed opportunity the idea of Amon is this guy who can who can take someone's bending away and like we see how terrified people are of him you know benders and that was like really the best like definitely the best part of book one um for me and that like it just it's just a small taste of that idea of how being able to remove someone's bending is just this this incredibly you know personal thing but it's also on the other hand it's very funny to me that it's this like super happy and and perky girl in Tylee who's the one who can do that and like even though obviously Azula is the most powerful and, and and is terrifying in her own right there's there's something like kind of terrifying about what Tylee can do and if you just kind of looked at her you would not think that and that's just a, it's a nice touch with the with the characterization of Tylee as a mm-hmm. whole So I mentioned this earlier, but I do have to ask, like, what the abandoned town that they end up fighting in is. Like, the best I can kind of guess is, like, maybe this is somewhere that the economy is kind of, because of the lack of, of trade that's probably going on due to a war, this is probably somewhere that's been abandoned. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it was actually pushed out by the Fire Nation. You know, it does seem like it was, you know, destroyed, not so much burned. Yeah. But, like, you can kind of get a feel for that. And, I, and that that's also a, a good a good thing to do because we've kind of on it like for the most like we were in Omashu and we saw the sort of the destruction of how Omashu was taken over mm-hmm. um but this is kind of seeing the other side of like how we know there's this massive refugee problem this is kind of where refugees would come from like where did all these people go I mean they're probably in Ba Sing Se at this point but this is the kind of thing that that impacts things um and like seeing how downtrodden parts of the earth kingdom are going to become because of the war um is very realistic yeah it definitely also even reminded me of like old wild wild west towns you know what i mean like the type of towns that were like once hubs and like had people in them and then just like had to be abandoned for certain reasons like that was like the vibes i was getting from it whether or not it was from the war maybe even like some other economic or like maybe even natural causes because of like how dry it is there's no water nearby so i kind of thought of it as maybe it's like just a place that got abandoned by the people for that type of reason but i don't know i definitely mm-hmm. see what you mean though yeah i i mean it's obviously they don't they don't give us like an exact explanation as to what happened. i want to know um, the name of this town its founding father when it was founded who its first mayor was, who its last mayor. I want to know all this information. How do I get it? You even want to know who the town fool is? Yes. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) It's my dream home. (laughs) When do you move? (laughs) Hmm? Damn. That is, uh... (laughs) That'd be a hell of a place to live, I tell you. There's no water, there's no Exactly. Every day's an adventure. You don't know whether or not you're going to live or die. 
Well, supposedly, <laughs> considering how fast it took everyone to get there, so they're supposedly close enough to the uh, forested area. But it seemed like it took everyone too long to get there. But they they had Oppa level transport. That's pretty significant. I don't think Azula did though, did she? I did. Well, she's, oh, she's, she's a, lizard. a lizard, and she does get there after. Like, oh yeah, she had after, a right? lizard. I forgot about. Uh, all right, so the answer to your uh, question is: This town was called Tuzin. And it was a mining town, and all the minerals are gone, and the people. Haha, I was right. Natural resources <laughs> depleted. Wow. <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> Called it. Yeah. You still want to move this? This is off of. Avatar Wiki? This is also of the Avatar Wiki. Good. On this episode. How the fuck? Um, did they... You know what? There is, the one thing is, there is comment. If, if, you, if you watch this on the DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, which everyone should do because piracy is wrong. Um, there actually, this episode actually does have co- a commentary yeah. track from the directors with it, so that's probably where it came from. But honestly, this is also just just kind of going off of the episode just for a second, like how you were able to get the information because the creators gave that information. Like that's just another reason for me why I love Avatar so much is because they're willing to have these types of details there, like a random town mm-hmm. that they fight and they're never going to see again. They created a name for it and a backstory about it too. Like that's just, that for me is just like a plus right there. Like dedication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are they are good at what they it's do. It's a good show. Really? <laughs> God damn it. Well, you're the only one here who can do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're on last week. Um, so we we get the first fight with um, with or or we get the the, the chase uh, down of um of the lizards chasing down um Appa with um Tylee and May, and I like the little bit of um like the 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 setup of them crossing the river and like you get this nice little cathartic moment and then. Oh, they can walk on water. Yo, that was meaningless. to see Jesus lizards that big, <laughs> I was. Which I kind of so want to be like. Are are we? Sh- why did they? Can they not just swim? Like, uh, and I'm not saying like, but like for Katara and Sokka, like they're like so happy we crossed the river, we're safe. It's like it didn't seem like it was that far. No, but here's the thing. Also, when you swim across a river that size, you also have to consider the current speed. Like That's you don't true, know yeah. how fast a river is. Like, Mark, we literally just went white water rafting the other weekend, and they said, beware of the currents in the water. <laughs> You're right. And that so is for them to also, because you have to then also consider, if they were to swim across, then the current would actually, they could be swimming it straight across, them down. but it, they would be and end up Katara and, and they could, well, like, I was going to say they could run. They probably can't run because the op is, like, done. But, yeah, you're right. That's true. Um, but I, I do, I just, I did like the sort of, like, catharsis, like, we're safe. No, yeah. uh, Some kind of... Didn't you know we're not. Some uh, kind of know, moment where they're not being chased. <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. That if they had swum and, like, planned it so that they could have ignored the current, you know, they're just sitting ducks, right? That's true, and Katara can water bend, so she can just... She, I, I retract my statement. They could not have swum across. Thank God for Jesus, losers. 
<laughs> That's true. Thank God for the Jesus lizards. <laughs> the way they are, are, are they Jesus crossing geckos? Is so funny too. Because they're on all fours, like up until they need to cross the river, and mm -hmm. then they go bipedal. It's great. No, because yep. you know Jesus lizards are like actual things, right? Yeah. I, I, want, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, they're like small lizards that can run across like small bodies of water. Yeah. It's not like infinite, but they can. They, they know, can. Quickly yeah. For a while. They're also know, called the know, common basilisk. Ooh. Does anyone know what uh, what animal other than the lizard the uh, those were? Because all avatar animals are a yeah, combination of. Two oh wait 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 wait! I can tell you. Give me it, five seconds. Without looking it up. <laughs> a sheep. I've looked it up, so I'm not saying I know. I'm just curious if anyone knew. Is it a sheep? No, it is not. Is a it a sheep. snake? Is no. it another close. reptile? Very close. No. Right, is it amphibian? Close. Nope. It's not an amphibian. How is it close to a snake? But and not, not a reptile or an amphibian. Because by close, it's not close to a snake because it's like a snake. It's close to a snake because the snake and it have a relationship. A centipede. <laughs> no. <laughs> a millipede. I'm thinking of anything that looks like no. a snake at this point. Um, it doesn't look like a snake. Did I'm saying that it and yes, there you go. Ooh, it's a mongoose. It's a mongoose lizard. Yo, yeah. hit me up. I want a mongoose lizard. Thank God um, for Pokemon. Well, <laughs> get me one, Mark. Exactly. Zangoose, the enemy of Survivor. Oh, is that like Ooh, an actual Japanese chimchars, if you're into that. Ooh, they're from the tropical jungles of the Fire Nation. Yes. Yes, they are. I wonder no one knew that they were Jesus lizards. <laughs> I don't know, because you're Jewish and you don't believe in that? I'm I'll Jewish. I'm Katara. <laughs> Saga. Well, Katara grew up in the South Pole. There are no tropical Fire Nation lizards in the South Pole. Are you really sure about that, Mark? Ask yourself. Right yes! Now. <laughs> I'm sure Are you 120%? I am incredibly sure. It's not 120%, though, so... 125% oh, sure. <laughs> um, the the, the hard-headed Saka, that, that made me chuckle. <laughs> yes! Just, 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 nice try, but no. Um, and I also, I, in terms of like lines, I also love um, the when they uh, when Sokka gets kind of pushed down and Katara's like pinned against the tree and Katara's like, "How you doing?" And oh, you know, I, I, I love that. It's <laughs> <laughs> just something so casual about like we're getting our asses kicked. Oh, you know, well, you know, casual fight along the river. Just getting beat up. Appa, Appa saves the day and Woo. throws May and Tylee into the river again and everything's good. And Tylee admits, because we've been keeping track, that's, that Sokka is in fact kind of cute. So congratulations, Sokka. That is, that is girl number three. Woo -woo. He's two books. He's on three women. He, he's not at 100% anymore, though. This is Who important. turned him down? Look at May's face after Tylee says that. Just, just look. The expression yeah, is Yeah, but May's taken. Wait, but Mark, you also Regardless. forgot the creepy girl from uh, the fortune teller that liked Sokka. 
She didn't like Sokka. She liked Aang. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you tried. Yeah, she called uh, Who was also Mushi. named May. Sorry. So all Mays don't like Sokka, I, I guess. I was thinking of. I'm sorry. Well, May, May is in love with Aang, but she he, she's not in love with Sokka. No, sorry. Ignore me. I'm not saying all girls are in love with Sokka. I'm just saying most girls are in love with Sokka. <laughs> I wanted to add to the number, but now I can't. Well, we I will mean, soon enough. Azula's obviously head over heels for me. Yeah. I mean, hey, that'd be an interesting power oh, couple. Shit. Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> why? No. Why, Mark? Why? <laughs> No, I I'd ship no. I'd ship that. No. Would you? All right. Uh, Wait. I mean, the the right. true question Why is not? how many fanfics can I find about that shipping? At least a hundred and fifty. What? Well, well, let's it find out. leather, and Sokka being paid. I don't know. I, I I think Sokka like, I don't know. I think it could work. Really? Nah. I mean, <laughs> not really. No, but. A man can dream. I mean, I guess we've created... I mean, I'll say this. When I say I'd ship that, I'm not saying, like... I'm saying they would be, like, married. But, you know, I could see a, a, a night of passion. Hate sex, got it. 60. Exactly. On one site. On one site. So we're, we're <sighs> halfway. Um, now... Switching, uh, or one more, one last little bit of humor here. Um, with Azula, I, lo I love Azula's sense of humor when, when she meets up with yes. Aang and, <laughs> and does the Zuko impression and just, it's okay, you can laugh. I was being funny. Like, it's funny. You can imagine, like, <laughs> could you imagine, like, Azula's, like, like, giving a speech in the Fire Nation and, like, makes a joke and everyone's not sure if they're supposed to laugh <laughs> and, like, she's like, you can, can laugh totally and everyone starts laugh. laughing and then someone laughs a little too hard, and she just turns and like glares at them. Yeah, it, like it wasn't that yeah. funny. He does instantly kill him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think instantly, but you know, have him arrested. I, she could kill with a she could kill with a look. Um, overall, the humor in this episode is is pretty on point. Um, but switching gears in terms of um, like seriousness, I. I, I can't put into words how much I love the scene between uh, Toph and Iroh. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a deep scene um, in terms of the subtext because you have so much stuff about Toph's place in all of this. You have all of this stuff about Iroh's, where Iroh sees himself in the world and the situation with Zuko. The, the voice performance from Iroh there, um, you know, from Mako is is absolutely phenomenal and considering like there's only a few episodes left that he is was actually able to to be mm -hmm. in um before he passed away it just it is it is incredible and it has two of two of the best iroh lines and i know we, we say that a lot and iroh has a lot of quotable lines but I, I i don't like i really can't even like tell how much i love the two lines of of, of when iroh is you know is talking to to Toph and you know and says uh, there's nothing wrong with letting people who love you help you and then kind of immediately laughs is like not that I love you I just met you and just like I want to have a, a I want to sit down and have a cup of tea with Iroh like that would be that would be amazing yeah and and finally you know when he says sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights that 
that line is, I mean, it's everything in Iroh's character right there. Like one line, that's Iroh's character. Um, I think it's just such a beautiful sentiment of, of the idea of, you know, just meeting this fascinating person and talking to them for, you know, 20 minutes or, or so and having that kind of change your outlook in life and then moving on and that's it. You know, it's not, it's not like you need to become best friends with this person. You just, you know, a conversation on a bus or, or, or sitting at a, you know, sitting at a coffee house. And I, I just think that there's something really beautiful about that, about thinking like that and acting like that. I, I think it's even made more beautiful by the fact that Toph and Iroh don't know who each other are yet. They don't know what camps they belong in. So it's a mm-hmm. very pure scene just based on that fact. Like, yes, Toph has heard of Zuko briefly earlier in that episode, but she doesn't know of Iroh. She doesn't know of Iroh's relation to Zuko. She doesn't of his relation to Fire Nation and vice versa. They don't, at least Iroh definitely doesn't figure it out until the end of the episode. And a little, I guess it's a little unclear whether Toph figures it out, but it's a very pure scene, I think, in many ways. Because of that. And it sort of shows what could happen if maybe the Fire Nation and the, the other nations could decide their differences. Mm-hmm. And I think you can even add to that, you know, coming off of last week, which was, was this episode about how much, like, who you are defines you and, and you know, the moment these, these people find out that... Um, Zuko is Fire Nation, like, everyone turns on him and everyone suddenly hates him. And I think they're, you're, you're right, there is a really nice purity to, you know, two people from very different backgrounds just kind of sitting down and talking and who they are not playing into it at all. Just, just these are just two people, you know, uh, someone very young, someone very old, in very different sort of stages of life, but able to sit down and share, you know, share a tea and share um, a conversation. Um and I, I really like, I, I just, I can't, like I said, I, I, can't, I, can't, I really can't put into words how much I like, like the scene. Yeah, it's a very Iroh scene. Uh, it's like, you so could, Iroh. You could not substitute any other character from his side into that scenario and have it flow as well. Like, just personality-wise, the way, and the way they've been developing the world, it just wouldn't fit. And but what makes it so great is you could sub in any other character in Toph's shoes, and that's not a like taking something away from Toph. It's more mm-hmm. of just showing like how I for Iroh, it's not about who someone is. It's about just you know the conversation would have been different, but the overall like mood it's would have been. I mean, I don't think you could put Azula there, but like you know. <laughs> it, it's basically no, just about how Iroh meets and interacts with everyone. And I think mm-hmm. it's just awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, and then you get a great you get a great payoff later in um, I guess technically it's the finale of book two, um, when Iroh shows up and, and Toph is like, Oh, I know who it is. It's a friend of mine. Yeah. And like and everyone's like, How do you do two know each they other? Had tea casual. <laughs> And I, I think he even says that, like, he gives great advice and great tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I mean, the other, another, like, little detail, but I love how you've got this, like, really kind of terrible-looking teapot and cup, um, and it goes back to in, um, earlier in the season when, um, Ira, or when Zuko steals the, um, 
all the gold and buys like that that really fancy teapot and, and uh, Iroh says, you know, like the best tea tastes the same regardless of, of whether it's brewed in a porcelain cup or a, a tin can. And like you can see that like Iroh is like believes that and, and really takes that to heart. And like it's kind of it, it looks very quaint, but because it's Iroh who's doing it, it, it works. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> God, like Iroh's characters. It's well developed, and it's just like perfection. Well, it's it's like if Good people show. were like that in real life, the world would be a lot, much nicer place. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And if you know, in Avatar, if everyone was like that, <laughs> the world would be a much better place. Yeah. All hail Buddha Iroh. Yeah, I mean, he, he Although, makes it to the spirit world before the connection is reopened, so that bad props there, true. I guess. That's true, and he will not be Buddha Iroh forever. He will he will get himself into shape. I don't know that that that, that belly that belly punch at the end of the episode. Oh yeah, really this is this is Buddha Iroh. I'm just saying that it it does when he needs to get fit, he gets himself fit. Without um. God, Fit Ira is pretty beastly too. <laughs> Just a oh, little bit. Yes, it is. Um, but we will we will get there. Um, and then you know we immediately transition oh, wait, in sorry, from. Uh, I oh, wanted to ahead. bring up in this tea scene, like this is what showed, or it, it comes back up later because they rehashed the argument between Katara and Toph in a later episode. I don't quite. The runaway. Yeah. Um, but this is, in my opinion, like, it, it does a pretty good demonstration of why they're so conflicted for the first, like, two parts of this episode. It's because, my interpretation from what Toph is saying to Ira over T is that she sees it like being asked to help means that she's not trusted to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, oh, why don't you do something easy while the rest of us do, you know, the hard stuff, and then we'll all share, and then it'll make you feel like you did something, but we're just taking care of you anyway. Whereas, from Katara's side, it's more like, well, this is a group effort, and we've each got things we're better at, you know, that's just how she's been handling uh, Aang and uh, Sokka for this long, so just seems like the natural way to do things but from top well, side it's like yeah I, I get it because she's been stifled for this long and treated like someone that can't do anything by themselves and yeah maybe just doing things like doing everything for yourself feels pretty good and then after you do everything for yourself it's like you don't really want to do stuff for other people because it's like well why can't they do stuff for themselves too but nah. well yeah. It's also ironic because, if anything, maybe Katara is actually giving her what she wants. Is hey, I'm going to give you responsibility. I believe you can do stuff that, not necessarily is, um, it's not it's not necessarily because you can't do anything for yourself. But we ask we, we, we do something that can actually contribute. So it's sort of, I think I think there's some irony there. Well, yeah. I- yeah, I mean, I, I, 
Yeah, I tried. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, this is 100% just because of the way the statements are interpreted. If Toph read it the way Katara meant it, like, oh, uh, just do something and we'll all work together to... It mm -hmm. probably would have gone over better. But I... My opinion, I think she read it more as like, we don't know if you can do something, so I'm just gonna give you something meaningless to handle while the rest of us like sort everything out. Which is mm -hmm. perhaps overreading into, you know, uh, how she would have interpreted the statements from before. But I, mean, I, I think it's more of just like there, there, there is just a massive, um, like communication failure between these two these two people and i think that for katara she is sort of saying to sort of like kind of falling into the natural thing like okay they all kind of divide up the work and everyone everything's good and you know like everyone kind of helps each other and i think for um like for Toph, like she's kind of like i don't like i don't need your help i've done everything that i need to do for myself and like i don't like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be completely self. Like you think you say, like I'm gonna be completely self-sufficient and handle it myself. And I think that for um, for for Katara, like she sees that as her kind of being either like selfish or being, um, you know, having to like trying to do things on her own. Um, I also think that there's just something about like the just very idea of like chores and and responsibilities that feel too much like home to um to Toph. um especially coming from someone like katara who is motherly and who is kind of immediately falling into the sort of parental role um and that that immediately kind of chaps at um at what Toph is like thinking life out on the road is going to be and if you remember like in blind bandit she says like you guys have like have it great like no one telling you what to do you can do whatever you want etc cetera, etc cetera. like so i think that like it just takes away from what she thought she was going to be in mm -hmm. yeah right. that's that makes a lot of sense uh something that i i actually forgot to mention earlier um but i just i remembered it while having this discussion when the the final fight before she leaves when when Aang actually finally blows up i i kind of like how in this episode like we kind of we've talked a little bit about the roles of everyone within the group within the gang um throughout the show and you know you you can kind of see that katara is like stepping up and kind of like the 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 leader when it comes to like basic chores and kind of the motherly aspects but i kind of like that when it gets really bad kind of Aang like kind of steps up and is like, okay, I'm gonna play peacemaker and kind of be a little bit more involved. Uh -huh. um, until obviously in the end he, you know, freaks freaks the fuck out. But like she, um, like I think that like Aang is Aang's come a little bit. I think he's maturing finally. <laughs> finally, yay! Aang. It's Just one and a half seasons into a three season show. Let's. <laughs> Woo! He's slowly getting his shit together. He's yep. no longer made out of wood. He's a real boy. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's more like it was. A, you know, it was a soft wood. Now it's a hardwood. 
read into that as whatever oh, you like. Um, all right, so we we we're, were about to talk about it, but um, so now we get to we get to the fight, and I think both Lindsay and I talked about in our in the intro um, how great this fight is. Um, I know the writers wanted this to kind of be like a Mexican standoff, and yeah, it it, it, it is. It fits like it fits into that kind of Western a Mexican uh, standoff. Mold. Yeah, those are the exact words that the creator uh. used. Okay. That's actually wondering. a term. <laughs> it's it, it, not. It, it like, is that's a, a real thing. term. It's a term. I, I know what thing. it is, but I just didn't know it was called a Mexican standoff. Yeah, it's called a Mexican standoff. Are they fighting over who makes better burritos or something? Like. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> over honor and as, love as, as, and dedication. Hey. Don't say honor. Honor. Um, what's wrong with honor? <laughs> Zuko is gonna get all. Zuko's gonna all, get all, all triggered. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this, this, this fight is, is, is really good. Um, you know, we, we saw during last week's, uh, or, uh, two weeks ago's episode with, um, with Zuko being like how we've seen like, oh, Zuko is obviously a lot worse than Azula. And we saw a brief fight of it, of between them in, in the first episode of this, of this book. But like, this is the real one where like, yeah, they're not even close to the same level of, of Firebender, um, of how much better Azula is, um, and all in all, this this fight is just expertly done across the board. I also want to just kind of the lighting in this in this fight was really good. Yeah. Like, it was very noticeable the lighting in the episode in in this scene at least. The lighting, the design, the animation, the choreography. <laughs> like, should I keep going on or? It did... was it was very dynamic. It lens. <laughs> Lens, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah. That's just gonna. That's become. That's that's, that's replacing Sky Boys and Polo is our new. Yeah, movie. It's, it's a, a good, good show. show. <laughs> oh. Well, last week's episode, our our guest Julia just kind of just started this when we were saying like we were going on about how great something was, and she just goes, yeah, "It's a good show, guys," <laughs> and we just kept doing well, it. I thought like, it was every, like, Corey said it. Well, maybe Corey said, I don't know. Ju- I think Corey said it first, and then, then Julia was the one who me- yeah, actually Yeah, Julia turned it. it into the meme, which into is the amazing. Meme. And we just kind of kept doing that of like, it's a good show. So so that's become our new meme, guys. Yeah. Got it. Um, Charles, Alexis, anything to say on this on this fight? Why is this uh, fire blue, but then red? Because it gets, cause um, it gets really hot. Can I say yeah, something? Okay. So basically, and this is what I remember from science in high school, is the color blue is actually hotter than red that? is. So I think personally, because of the power and the and like the ferocity that Azula has when she fights, it comes out hotter than normal. And you'll notice that when it hits something flammable, then it turns into visible normal flames. Um, and she also I, can like manipulate lightning too, so that's probably another reason. But I don't know if it's a lightning, uh, but it definitely cools off once it hits. Something. Yeah, and that's why it turns so. red. Wood does not burn at the same. But her fire persists in color later in the series, where her arguably her skill is deteriorating due to her. It depends, I think. I would argue that the reason that it changes color in this in this episode is because it's specifically burning 
very dry wood, which does not burn at a high temperature. Um, so it stands to reason that the moment it hits that, it, it actually, like, the, the wood itself can't burn at as high a temperature as the rest of the air, um, which is why it changes colors. Um, that said, we see in the um, dragon, in the, the Firebending Masters episode, that there are many colors that your firebending can be, and I don't think they ever specifically say it's because of heat. Um, I think that it might just be that for whatever somehow for whatever Azula is doing her like natural. I mean, you know, it's not entirely natural because we saw her when she was a kid. Her firebending was regular colored, but like whatever because of her skill, for whatever reason, it, it has changed colors. Um, you know. I always kind of theorized that it was actually more of a personality thing, like her, um, like she's so like ice cold as a, as a person, and that kind of gives her off this blue fire. Um, um, but we've ne- we, we, we were never actually given a specific, like, this is what changes the color of fire. Um, and it's not, it, it, I don't think, it can't actually be exactly lightning, because Ozai and Iroh can both shoot lightning, and their fire is red. Um, so... I don't know. I, I, I'm not, like... I'm okay with it, because I think that in the end, it's just, like... One, it would be really hard to animate, like, the different fires being at different places. And also, like, once you ignite something, it's just kind of fire. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, it would have just been a palette swap, right? Because you would retain... Well, the... no, but you'd have to make sure Zuko's fire was at the regular color. Well, yeah, but... Like they spent so much time coloring everything else in these scenes. Okay. That's true. I don't know. I mean, I, I do enjoy the uh, the like multicolored flames Zuko and Aang get enclosed in during the Firebending Masters episode. But um, mm-hmm. just an aside, I don't like none of the practicing firebenders at this point in the show other than Iroh actually know that style of firebending right mhm so yeah you know who knows if they could actually manifest different colors at all yeah anyway that, that was just random uh, I was trying anyway, to think Zuzu. of that is totally fine Zuzu. <laughs> Don't call me that! Oh, That's my best thing, though. <laughs> that was pretty good. Good job. Um, so, the you know the, the fight, the, the initial fight between the free for all between between Zuko, um, Azula, and Aang works out really well. And I, I like that you have three people all fighting for very different mm-hmm. things. With Aang, who's trying to escape, Azula, who's trying to capture you know trap capture Aang. And, you know, then Zuko is trying to capture Aang, but separately. They're trying to stop um, Azula at the same time. Azula, yes. And and seeing Azula, like, like tactically, how, like, she knows, okay, she can pretty easily beat Zuko. Um, so, like, kind of trying to, like, eliminate him quickly and then move on to Aang. Um, there's a lot of really good tactics going on there. I, per- um, I personally love the part where Zuko just falls down the building. Yep. That is a <laughs> yep. very exemplary scene. Like, like Azula, Quint you know, Aang just kind of, you know, glides through. Azula, like, goes through and then, you know, keeps herself up barely and then he just see, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> And then you see how great the divide is. It's like, it's not even in firepower, it's in 
like it's it, it's it's a fighting and then practicing and it's strategy. Yeah. Um. And then you know, just for a brief moment, Azula kind of like I mean, not holds her own, but like she's able to throw a few blasts off when she's against all of them. It's only when Iroh and, and Toph show up that it's yeah. like a hundred percent clear that she's beaten. And then you know we get to see the final like like that real that side of Azula where you know she puts her hands up and you know she she says and I I, I love the line also because of because of the triggering of Zuko where, you know, she says a princess surrenders with honor and then just says, you know, completely ignores that and, and blasts Iroh. Um, I think that that, like, kind of in and of itself, like, is kind of her drawing the line between her and Zuko with, like, I don't care about my honor. I don't care about, like, I care about getting results. Like, you should too. Like, stop worrying about your freaking honor and just, you know, just do it already. And, like, that's kind of what it is in the end with Azula and Azula and Zuko in this book where, you know, Azula is just like, you know, you will, you can return now. I, I need your help. And, you know, it's not about what's right and wrong. It's not about what other people think about it. You, it's just like, you need to seize your, your destiny in your own hands. You know, that would be a really pretty pertinent message if it came from anybody else in the show. Yeah, Sam, but it's coming from Azula so Zuko F's up. Uh, God. Damn it. I mean, Tony thinks would anyone else say it to him but Azula? I mean, Iroh does a little bit, but... Well, but it's different. Iroh is... I, I was actually... I would argue the reverse. It's like, can you live with who you would be if you did whatever actions like that's that's this whole thing guiding to go it's like mm -hmm. can you live with yourself yeah. if you're a thief or if you're you know gonna hold somebody something hostage or etc like yeah oh yeah, yeah it's like the honor that the being a good person is more important long run from iris world point than you know just temporary results mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, and and also like another like another bit about Azula, it, don't forget she like blasts her uncle like that's like it's not and obviously we don't see much of a of a relationship between these two people but like she like blasts her uncle as the as a kind of thing she does to escape and like you can tell she does it because she knows a he's probably you know she looks at him as kind of this like weak bumbling old mm -hmm. man and also, also because she knows it's gonna hurt. Yeah, and she knows it's going to hurt Zuko the most in terms of, like, um, like she, I, I guess she kind of thinks, like, okay, if she does that, she knows Zuko's going to turn to help him and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but they're just, like, it's more of just that cold-blooded, like, wow, she just, like, blasted her uncle um, yeah. without a second's thought. Like, no okay. hesitation. I think it's very clear that, in many ways, if she doesn't necessarily hate him, because I think... Because in the flashback episode, uh, the flashbacks in the episode before, she's not really so happy with him. Um, oh no! I mean, I, she she certainly is not. Um, yeah. And like, it's not even remotely out of character. It's perfectly in character. It's just like you just kind of add something to because you, you can kind of lose in this scene. Like, obviously, like it's enemies encircling her, and she just kind of blasts someone and, and gets this giant mass of fire and runs off. And 
I, I obviously like that's that is obviously what you would expect Azula to do. Um, I'm just saying that like do, I, I don't forget like she's attacking a family member when she does this, mm-hmm. and not that she like you know has this great relationship with 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 Iroh and it's like this tearful moment of her having to do what she needs to do. Um, it's just showing like how much she just doesn't like mm-hmm. does not care whatsoever. Yeah, definitely about further emphasizing like her whole characterization. Yeah, Azula. Like, there's no one she wouldn't blast in order to get her get what she wants. Well, Azula is, I think, in many ways, and if not always, the antithesis to Iroh. They're two sides of the coin. When we never see really Zuko with his father, so we have Azula there to be the other side of the coin of what Zuko could become if he mm-hmm. was more so influenced yeah. by his father and whatnot. Um. So I think there, I, I, I think there's that. Yeah. Um, and of course, in the end, you know, we see Zuko's pain, um, and just you know how he, how distraught he is in this moment. Um, and I, I think you can really see in his eyes, like how much he, in some ways, blames himself here because he is what, like, Iroh was following him. He's the one who led, and essentially led Iroh into this, into this moment. Um. And after kind of walking away from him, like, this just, like, shock of seeing him get blasted like that just completely, you know, pulls Ira or pulls Zuko kind of away from all of it um, and, and, you know, just completely hurt. Um, and, you know, Katara's like, I can help. And, you know, he's just, he's nothing mm-hmm. else at this point matters. He's just, he's completely blinded, know, just really. totally blinded with rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that and then we end and, and and just honestly just i i think it's a really fantastic ending i think i think the third act of this episode is is just is about uh, is, is on par with with some of the last like stuff in the last two weeks mm-hmm. um and considering we've given episodes like you know nine nines and tens yeah. at least i mm-hmm. have that's pretty that's pretty damn amazing um but when you know we'll, we'll get to our final thoughts, and you know I don't I don't think that's true for the whole episode. So then we'll transition right here. We'll go into our final thoughts. So we have a guest, so I will go through the rating scale uh, for this week. We are rating episodes between a zero and a ten. A zero being one of, if not the worst episode of television you have ever seen. A ten being one of, if not the best episode of television you have ever seen. Um, we're rating against all of television, not just Avatar episodes. So Avatar episodes, for the most part, trend pretty high because it is, as we say, a good show. Um, the, for context, the last week I gave Zuko alone a 10. Um, I think it's the best standalone episode of the series. Um, I've given one 10 before that. I gave Siege of the North Part 2. Um, and I gave Blind Bandit, I believe, a 9.9 or a 9.8, something in the really high realms. Um, so it's not out of the realm for Avatar episodes to be in that in that category. But if you're going to give an episode above a nine five, you're going to really need to justify it because you're saying that this is just like flat out phenomenal, um, and that's fine if you believe that and you can justify it. Go ahead; it's all a matter of opinion. But just I will hold you to a level of um, of, of scrutiny if you want to go that high or that low. If you say this episode's a two, I'm going to say, <laughs> okay, please explain how this episode is. That it's the great. Divide. So why don't <laughs> then. It's a one. The Great Divide wasn't a two. No one gave I it that bad. To. Enough. <laughs> what you 
It was not a two. Why didn't you? <laughs> it was between a four and a six. It averaged out to like either a four eight or a five one. Like it was like it is an average episode. That's what I believe yeah. it is. Um, so Charles, why don't you start us off your final thoughts and your rating for the chase? Uh, I think the points we brought up at the beginning uh, are still pretty pertinent. The first portion of the episode is pretty weak. It picks up in the middle when they... I'm not going to say they abandon that point, but it's like not really resolved. And they do rehash the arguments later, so you could argue that it wasn't resolved. But um, the actual chasing is great. Obviously, the last third of the fighting it was well animated choreographs. It's a good animation. Um, also, th- we've got some pretty strong characterizations of Azula and Toph to a degree, and we've got the reminder that Iroh is basically <laughs> like a saint. <laughs> at this point in mm-hmm. his life. Um, so, uh, I don't know, like, it's like, I don't like a, the first third-ish of the episode, and then the rest of it I think is pretty great, so... Uh, I'd give it, like, an 8-1, maybe? 8-2? Uh, to me, like, the strength of the back portion carries it higher than a strict average. Like, if the first portion mm-hmm. and the... Or if it ended badly, or if the... Actually, yeah, if it ended badly, I'd probably trend lower, but since the second and third thirds, like, flow together really well, and the ending is fin- I mean, horrible, but fantastic from, like, a viewer's standpoint, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'd give it a 8-1-ish, 8-2-ish. Okay. Okay. Linz? Um, I gotta kind of go on the same points as uh, Charles. That whole idea of... And, and the thing is, too, like, I like the beginning, but then compa- I feel like compared to the rest of the episode, it its weakness definitely, I feel like, is kind of highlighted. So then I, I just found myself more drawn to the end of the episode. And... Again, good. It was a good episode. Um, great to see Toph kind of learning how to play well with others. Almost that the whole like sense of her kind of finding her place in the group a little bit, and she leaves and she but then she comes back. The uh, sage Illuminati Iroh giving good advice. <laughs> um, so and of course the fight scene was absolutely amazing. Um, but overall, though, I just I really disagree with Charles. Um, but so I really just have to give it a seven point nine. Okay, how about you, Alexis? Final thoughts and your rating for this episode. Um, I do agree with everyone before. This episode does have a split personality. Um, it does. I I I can see why they made certain choices though, and it does hit the points of character development that I believe they needed to. However, they did not necessarily do that in the most effective way. Um, that being said, I, I do agree the fight scene is 
it's very dynamic and I appreciate that especially when I think the only other show that right now comes to mind that really has very great dynamic uh, fight scenes is one that's out right now it's an anime called uh, My Hero Academia but I think I would have to give this a 7 I don't know if I do I don't, I don't know if I do a point system, like a seven a decimal system, but I think I would give it a seven. It's not a bad episode. It definitely has. I mean, a seven point. is very good. Like that's a seven is saying you think it's a very good. Okay, then I would maybe I would then say it's a six. It definitely could overall. Okay, let's make six is good. It's solidly good. It's solid. It's a solid episode. It does what it needs to do. It could be better, but it's not. Great. Um, there you go. Okay. I mean that's fair. I, um, I, I I'm in the same vein as um as, as Charles and Lynn's here. Like I think that the first half of the, I I'm even lower. I think the first half of, of this episode is actually like pretty bad. Um, in all honesty, um, I I don't particularly like the dialogue that they use for um for going through this relationship with with um. Katara and um, Toph, um, and I think that in it kind of just doesn't flow particularly well. Um, that being said, the the second half is is just like borderline, you know. It, it, I'm just gonna say it, it is absolutely phenomenal. It is borderline perfect, um, and I really can't um, like I really think it's on par with the last two weeks. Um, so I think when you put those together, the good definitely is gonna outweigh the bad, and the, the second half is so good that. I'm still pretty high in this episode, so I'm going to give this episode a 7.8. Um, you know, definitely weaker than the last two weeks, um, and the first half, definitely, definitely weaker. Uh, but the second, the, la- the last third of this episode, that, that the conversation with Toph and um, Iroh, and then the final fight is is as good as it gets, and I, I really, really liked it. Um, so, you know, we're conti- we are continuing our string of, of good episodes in, in terms of um, we've come out of we're kind of coming into the, the, the coming into our own in book two uh, with some some really good episodes um, and we've never said I like quite a bit next week uh, and then we go into some real fun stuff because we get some two parters um, after that so with that we're gonna wrap things up unless anyone else has anything they wanna wanna talk about it's a good show. <laughs> yes. Um, so first things first, I want to thank my special guest Alexis for being here. Um, really appreciate Yay, you being thank here. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, thank my regular panel, Lindsay and Charles. It's always always a pleasure to talk to You're you guys. Welcome. Uh, yes. <laughs> you, you, Mark, you, you missed my check. <laughs> I, I did. Wait, we get checks? Uh, what? Okay. We get money for this blood? No, you don't get checks. There's no money being generated. Oh, come on. I'm a, I'm a poor grad student. Um, <laughs> Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm unemployed, right. Mark. This is the show is what's... You are unemployed. I'm a, I'm a teacher, Mark. Of, I have to you're pay not in... for the supplies I get from the students. You are you are gonna be okay, Lindsay. No, I'm yeah, not. I have to afford to live in Brooklyn. <laughs> so am I, Charles. Legally, so I am I. I have to afford to live in Brooklyn. How am I gonna do that? That's true. That's true. Um, but unfortunately, we are not generating any money. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> we do. Have, I do have a few things. 
I do have a few things I'd like to announce. Um, this should be coming out this week. So if you are watching, listening to this in real time, Game of Thrones is coming back this week. We've talked a little bit about Game of Thrones on this on this podcast uh-huh. a little bit. Um, and we are going to be doing a Game of Thrones recap show on Mondays. I will be announcing the exact details on Twitter. Um, so follow us on Twitter, as always, at AuntMoo underscore pod. Or follow myself at Stack, S-T-A-C underscore mode, M-O-D-E. Um, follow us there and you'll, you'll get the exact announcements but we will be doing a Game of Thrones recap show um, it will be live on Twitch um, I believe a friend uh, Boo Radley is his Twitch name will be streaming it so look out for that uh, it should be Monday nights uh, so we can uh, we can have a lot of fun with that so if you are a Game of Thrones fan come out for that that'll be a lot of fun um, we are also in the process of launching the Thoughts from Aunt Wu website um, we'll be launching a website for the podcast and for all of our content um it will be there for the game of thrones show there also should be some hearthstone stuff coming soon um we got a few new cards released so we'll be talking about those within the coming week um so check out for that as well um so a lot of stuff coming um it's a very exciting time uh i thank everyone for listening in we uh we definitely appreciate that uh wherever you get your podcast whether that's soundcloud or stitcher or itunes or google play or the million other places um it's actually kind of astounding how many different places podcasts are up now. Um, but yes, once that website launches, we will. Endless. Once the website launches, we'll be we'll be getting some really cool stuff on there. Um, kind of nice hub for for everyone to kind of potentially post comments or, or talk about the show or talk about Avatar in general or talk about Game of Thrones or Hearthstone or I don't know. We might be doing some CW stuff. At least Corey and I. Um, <laughs> so get ready for that. Um, Thank you guys once again, and uh, we will see you next week for uh, Bitter Work. Bye. Bye-bye. Ooh, in German. Uh.